Hello, and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today, we're going to have another very interesting show as we've invited back uh, a wonderful friend of A Better World uh, who has been on the show several times, and that is award-winning author, teacher, and leptin pioneer, Kat James. Kat has been on this path of helping people with their nutrition, therefore their holistically oriented health for many years now. Her book has served thousands and thousands of people, and she has appeared on shows such as this and others, including her own, talking with people about the nature of health and nutrition in ways that, well, are somewhat startling in today's age of focus on things like vegetarianism and other isms that go along with it because what she has found is something, well, we could say is somewhat radical, but it has proven over and over again with science behind it to be extremely effective, extremely therapeutic, and has, with her help, turned people's very serious degenerative conditions around. This includes, well, the whole gamut of them. Today we'll be looking at a few of those as well as hear Kat's story about how she herself got healed and discovered this incredible hormone that has been otherwise rather unknown named leptin. That's not lectin, it's leptin, L-E-P-T-I-N, and it's now got a tremendous amount of clinical studies and research behind it that in a sense verifies and corroborates what she managed to to discover on her own in many, many respects. So buckle up. It's going to be fun again, and you will learn more than just fun. A lot of what can actually help you in your life, I know that I have benefited tremendously from Kat's work, and I've been on retreats with her, and she's got another couple of them coming up right here in the New York area, New Jersey area, and I'm sure she'll tell you about that as well. So without further ado, I want to welcome my dear friend and colleague, Kat James, to A Better World. Hi, Kat. Great to great have to you be, again. Great to be back. Great to be back, Mitchell. Thank you so for the glad. nice introduction. Sure. You're most welcome. Listen, uh, every ounce of it was deserved. Uh, I'd love if you could. Your story is so remarkable, but if you could give an abridged version so people can go back and they can sure. always listen to our prior shows to get the fuller uh, bloom of it. And yeah. that way we can kind of dive in. And I really look forward to hearing you speak, Kat, a little bit about the neurologists who have been recommending their patients to you for help with some very serious conditions such as Parkinson's and MS. Not to limit the conversation yeah. to that, but I'd love for you, if you would, to include sure. those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I started out with the eating disorder and uh, at puberty, it led me to diet, and I did what a lot of people who get into fasting do and wound up um, hurting myself with that greatly. Uh, and I had an eating disorder for 12 years, and it got to the point where uh, it was not an emotional or a spiritual thing, and I, I, I just 
done a lot of praying, et cetera, because it was seemed that I was destroying myself uh, and my liver started to fail. I wasn't even digesting anymore by the age of 24, at which time I was told I needed to get a liver biopsy and go on immunosuppressants. There was no internet yet. So I looked that up at Shakespeare books on the Upper West Side. Uh, and that is of the, you've got male fame. Um, and I uh, yes. startlingly saw that, no, they usually don't work, and they cause depression. I was already absolutely um, massively depressed, very way up, way down. And this was, you know, luckily a few years before everyone was given uh, certain drugs, or I would have been on all of them. Uh, and so, but my liver was failing, and I went into a health food store and read about things in the indexes, liver, liver, liver. First time I wasn't looking up calorie counts, actually. And uh, I had already switched from my plastic Midwestern diet growing up in Michigan to uh, much healthier, you know, kind of like the advanced health food diet, all, all whole grains and berries and had been vegetarian for about seven years. And uh, it still didn't interfere. In fact, I could use those healthy foods to forward the biochemical destruction uh, of my eating disorder. And I had one day about a five or six hour stretch of uh, really distinct freedom from thoughts of food, from the sense of impending doom and the black cloud of anxiety and depression. And I said, what in the world was that? Never had two o'clock come. Uh, never had even 11 o'clock come without me already in my mind's eye picturing, you know, the the wholesome carbs I was going to consume uh, at lunch. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought, what in the world? And so I said, if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to make this feeling come and be 24 seven. And I didn't know it would, but it took me a year and a half after which time, literally I had a tipping point that I would only understand 12 years later and uh, flipped uh, literally overnight ring spinning abdomen flat Food in my refrigerator didn't look like food, and I had bought it just a day or two before. And in three days, literally from being a vegetarian, it stopped, uh, and my body demanded something that I had convinced myself was evil and gross and horrible for the environment, and I've learned right. some truth then about we that, have too. To hear and about that was what me. that was. What was it yeah. that happened? I mean, I know the story, but I want to hear for our audience, what happened? What was the new piece of your diet that changed your mind, your feelings, your emotion, and your body? Yeah, I mean, 10 dress sizes dropped and every disease, canker sore, all of that. And uh, when I told a woman from Self Magazine, a nutritionist who was writing a story, she dropped her notepad and, <laughs> and walked away from huh. me uh, that my savior actually had been fat. And I don't just mean oh, olive oil. She probably and, said, uh, I want what brain. that woman is having. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, all of them. And then 14 All uh, Harry and Sally, that what, was, Kat. <laughs> yeah. 14 years later, by the greatest coincidence, the foremost clinical expert on the hormone leptin told me, that the reason I was having these same set of symptoms that I produced in myself, all of the, you know, normalization of weight, even if you're underweight, uh, and all of these disease reversals was because I'd harnessed a hormone four years before it was discovered, and that was, as you mentioned, leptin. That's Did I lose remarkable. you, Mitchell? Okay, That's great. remarkable. So tell me. It was fat, 
but it wasn't just fat alone. You also had to remove certain things from your daily nutritional intake and add others. What? Give us a quick sketch of what are the components that contributed to that, as I was asking, the change in emotions in, in, in your body, in your weight, fat to muscle ratio? Yeah. I mean, my dopamine pathways were healed, and, and of course, science wouldn't know that until more than a de- decade later. Um, and so what it is is not just adding fat, because if people do what they think they're supposed to do after what I just said, it could put weight on you. It could make you uncomfortable. Um, we have a primary fuel. Our body chooses. If we're in a famine, we're supposed to be using sugar as our primary fuel. And if we're not in a famine, very few people are, uh, that, that we know, uh, then mm-hmm. we're supposed to be using fat as our primary fuel. But the problem is, is the body will default to using sugar. And who uses what and who has what kind of thing for breakfast, all of that is different. Uh, it's different based on heredity and your food history uh, and how well but you isn't sleep. Isn't there a biology of, of what, you know, we talk about the, the brain living on essentially on sugar uh, and water, of course, but that that is that's its incorrect. primary yeah. food. Yeah. But that's so right, you're saying that it's as that's though, let me, let me finish the question, uh, yeah. that it's as though that there are uh, – two pathways to nourishing the brain one the sugar and the other fat so could you what's the story well fat and ketones are the brain's favorite fuel you produce ketones when the body's using fat as its primary fuel and in fact uh, carbs aren't even listed on essential nutrients for human beings and the group i can't remember it was called the just the nutrition institute it was a very basic name it was a commissioned Mm -hmm. paper and they admitted they admitted that no, even though they're saying the brain needs, oh, like, I don't know, 130-some grams of, of uh, carb uh, sure. or glucose okay. to run, they were incorrect and admitted that you don't need any of it. And the truth is you will think, live, feel, uh, be neuroprotected, uh, not have addictive tendency and not be anxious, sleep deeply and be clear-headed have better skin, a perfectly normalized weight, and no more addictive tendency, and much, much more if your body is using ketones. So interesting. So, I mean, here, let me use a bit of a coarse analogy, Kat. It's like you have a car, and you have the, you're in a desert, and all you have, funnily enough, in that context is water, and you find that the car can actually chug along a little bit, you know, in that context, um, but it's not performing very well. But then you also have the other opportunity later on to put in gasoline, and then all of a sudden it runs very smoothly. So the car is actually able to operate on either, but it performs entirely differently if you're giving it gas instead of water. Is it, I know it's a crude analogy, but in a sense, yeah. does that at all fit? Well, some, are, some are performing terrifically. I mean, uh, I've worked with an Olympic, Olympic athlete who was always a, a sugar burner. Um, as we're younger, uh, we can do that a little better. And, um, but however, when oh, so people it's age-related. experience, and when people experience flipping at all ages even uh, into using fat as their primary fuel, fat. they are mind-blown. They're mind-blown, and they go, wow, I, I was pretty amazing. I'm considered the healthiest person that, 
you know, anybody who knows me knows, uh, but then they flip into this and, and it's really another world. Okay, so you're saying, but so you're basically corroborating my analogy that um, it's not that the car doesn't yeah. run on water, it just runs so superbly on, you know, gasoline, or in this case, fat, you, there would be no question about which one you would want to use. So, yes. needless to say, one of the questions that arises in most people's minds, as we've all been conditioned and programmed to believe certain things because of any number of different uh, sources, including media, yes, or maybe even especially, uh, cholesterol becomes the question. Well, gee, if I eat, you know, X, Y, and Z fat, especially, and I hope we can dip into this animal protein, then I'm going to have a cholesterol problem. So... How does your diet relate to those considerations? Yeah. Well, and cardio problems altogether. Sure, and more than 30 years of science has been faulty or, or uh, incorrectly concluded on cholesterol. Mm-hmm. We were all duped on that. And so it is only small particle oxidized cholesterol, and that corresponds, frankly, with sugar and carb intake so, and, and poor quality fat. And believe it or not, your vegetable oil in general is less high quality than animal fat. But you want, of course, and this brings the environmental question into play, you want it from grass-fed animals because then you have animals that are nourishing you, but they're also nourishing the planet and the soil and the ultimate mm-hmm, carbon sink second only to the oceans. And they're making deep root systems and giving us our soil back. And it's desperately needed yeah. from both our nutritional standpoint and the planet's. Yes, yes, yes. So interesting. So, in other words, you're saying fat, high quality fat, actually doesn't have a uh, contribute to the issue that we've been taught. Not at all. Is an issue of cholesterol. So, Not just at all. elaborate, if you would, a little bit about the whole sure. cholesterol. Let's call it myth. Yes. Mm, sure. Well, Tell you us. know, I have lived long, as you know, with you know, with like five to ten people at a time, six to eight times a year for about 17 years. I'm literally uh, called, yeah. you know, the, the Jane Goodall of, of uh, leptin, but there's not, yeah. there's a great lacking. There's a lacking of nutritional studies that are uh, solid because they're using uh, population studies and they're using self-reporting. Humans don't generally like captivity unless, of course, they're captive in a, in a uh, castle in Scotland or a treehouse in Oahu. And so <laughs> I have this unique observational uh, history, as, as even Dr. Ron Rosedale, the foremost clinical expert on the hormone, uh, who gave presentations to diabetes doctors with me and said, here's the science on leptin, now do her diet. And when, so I have a lot of observation, and, and I have to preface this by saying anything that I'm telling you is not a claim for a cure. And this all could be coincidence, everyone, but there is not one person with heart disease uh, or even cholesterol levels. And first of all, think of the Europeans with the highest cholesterol and the Framingham study, which lied about the conclusions uh, and said, and, and the actual conclusions are that the higher the cholesterol, the longer the person lives. And so how do you create dementia <laughs> so in other words, and the, the inverse. need for psych drugs? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And as far as actual uh, heart disease outcomes in people who had heart disease, who've done my program, miraculous mm-hmm. transformation in every single case. And people can go online and look up the story of Janet Hunter. Uh, I mean, one, I mean, it, it's insane every single time. Uh, and, you know, her doctor, Stephen Sprague, I think it's Springville, Texas, 
uh, in a magazine story just said, hey, listen, after four months of drugging her after her heart attack, we could do nothing. And all of a sudden she does this in between uh, Thanksgiving 2009 and the late January 2010, she's declared completely free of the issue. She's not, she has to hold up a, a, a driver's license so that her hospice patients knows who she is. God almighty. So that's a, a great story. Now, we have, and let's just kind of clarify it, and if you would do that, take the lead on this, I'd appreciate it. Uh, first of all, our body, our liver, is making cholesterol all the time. It needs it. It requires it sure. for human functionality. Yeah. Number two yeah. is, you know, exogenous, that is, from food, food, uh, food-based mm-hmm. cholesterol that comes in through the ingestion of fat. So could you talk about that yeah. ratio? And when people get on your program, Kat, do their readings of cholesterol readings go up, and should they not be alarmed by that but thankful? In general, they go down, and in general, they go down oh, incredibly. They do. um, yep, they really do, and it's the okay. exception where they go up, but it's it's never uh, the small particle oxidized, so people have to get that checked. And, yes, the liver does yes. make – some cholesterol, and that's great. Otherwise, we couldn't even convert sunlight into vitamin D. And also, LDL is considered the bad. Well, that's gonna—that's the one that delivers all of your fat-soluble nutrients, which again, we're miss, we're missing in me when I was vegetarian. Uh, but it also makes your testosterone and your sex hormones and your fertility and your brain. And people are low in it when they're not getting any through diet. And that is that can be shown through some fertility studies as well and depression studies mm-hmm. the lancet had some i cited i cited in my book the truth about beauty and um the mood and uh depression uh and just well-being and libido and uh the yes. making of our hormones has a lot to do with how good we feel yes exactly so interesting so Tell us a few um, stories. So, oh, wait a minute. Let me just go back to um, animal protein because you also, you uh-huh. know, make the um, somewhat unpopular assertion these days for uh, and unpopular for lots of different reasons we can touch upon as well, that uh, an intrinsic part of your approach is both the use of fat, high-quality fat, as you really properly state, and uh Animal protein, and again, high-quality animal protein from grass-fed, grass-polished uh, meats. So what is it that you found to be in animal protein and animals that we don't get if we stick to uh, a vegetarian diet? Fully formed amino acids. Fully formed amino acids and more utilized uh-huh. zinc. And the zinc from meat, for example, by the way, it's about 10 times uh, the nutrient density of any plant food. Not to say I'm speaking out against plant foods. I'm speaking out mm-hmm. against, uh, you know, denying our, our omnivorousness. Uh, and and just like a, a cat can't thrive, you know, without any meat, uh, there's no ethics that are against, you know, if you are following your own biochemistry. But their protein actually gets a bad name. For example, um, you know, there are studies on, on protein and they were extrapolated uh, to mean meat where excess protein from animals or from plants causes a problem, mm-hmm. causes cell replication instead of cell remodeling, for example, and are pro-cancer. 
So even in the keto world, and there are a lot of problems I have with keto and what I do uh, may get the brain to use ketones, but more efficiently, far more so than a ketogenic diet uh, and with far more health because in ketogenic or paleo approaches, you don't have leptin functioning. And so you wind up eating too much in general and too much protein in general, and also so many things that keep the body confused as far as what primary fuel it's going to use because that excess protein, again, can keep the body using sugar as its primary fuel. Um, but the protein from animal fat is ruined, by the way, if it's cooked beyond, you know, if it's even medium. By the time it's gray, uh, you can barely digest it. And, that boy, I grew up with medium and medium well and, and was initially sure. quite grossed out, you know, especially as a vegetarian at pink, but that's what the yes. body digests beautifully so what, and by the way, far more thoroughly than plant food, frankly, is the digestion of, of, uh, you know, medium, medium rare meat. Wow. So going back though, just a step here, this is so interesting, Kat, uh, excess protein essentially becomes sugar. How does that work? Yeah, Sure. It's a, well, a lot of things that aren't sugar, and this is this brings the whole uh, this brings the whole subject of well, there was no added sugar in it. Uh, someone said, well, look at this applesauce. There was no added sugar. Things can turn into sugar, and it, yeah. it just so happens that excess protein can turn to sugar. I'm not sure how else to state that, but uh, and and this is something I started observing. No, it's a that, good point though, and most people don't know it. That's why I wanted you to emphasize yeah. it. And at first it started in observation at my programs because a lot of the men that would do this, uh, their eyes would get all big. The first couple of days you are uh, not allowing your blood sugar to rise. It's extra, extra important. Of course, you're never going to. But at that time, you're also having an incredible changeover in your microbiome. Your yeast and fungus are dying off. And they're still sort of in control for one or two days. And that's why the mm -hmm. body is going to search for any loophole that it can find, tomato sauce or, or even, uh, you know, an, the alcohol in a tincture. All sorts of things will keep those uh, major fungus and yeast colonies from dying off. And they are mm -hmm. what are really leading a lot of people to their food choices. And so in the first couple of days, people are vulnerable to those little loopholes that I've been closing over these decades. And uh, meat is something that guys tend to want to binge on in the first couple of yeah. days. And it also keeps them, I just simply observed that they weren't having those distinct symptoms of leptin sensitivity, which cross the board for everyone is going to be the big appetite drop off, the energy going through the roof, the deep in sleep, the clear head in the morning, and the energy being even. Um, and those are just a few. Everyone gets their own symptoms. If they have headaches, they're not going to have them anymore. And, uh, and on and on, reflux, they're not going to have. And so mm -hmm. that set of symptoms, not numbers, and this, again, makes what I do distinct, is I look at symptoms and not numbers. Because the numbers, if someone gives you a number of carbs, you can have a number of fat grams or calories above all because people can have twice the calories and if they are a fat burning machine they're going to lose weight over the uh, people who have half the number of calories uh, but I'm they, glad you they brought that up numbers. 
Yeah. So before we were talking about the cholesterol story, myth slash myth, and there's also the calorie story slash myth. So you've touched upon it just now. So it's a question of the quality of calorie, which of course is a measurement of heat. It's not the quantity of calorie. Could you just expand upon that? And then I think we're going to be... Doving, we're going to dovetail into the segue you've already made to the story about leptin, which is really just tantamount. Yeah. So first, if you sure. would address calorie, and then Cal- let's dive headlong. Yeah. Sure, sure. Go ahead. So um, calorie, uh, you know, calories in and out. Wow, you know, the woman I was with the eating disorder and uh, who, yes. you know, quote unquote, loved food, a moment on the lips, an eternity on the hips, teaching six, seven dance classes a week <laughs> and, and being called literally a human pear or that, that worst name, fat A, you know, uh, and, yes. and, that, and I, couldn't, I couldn't shake any of that weight, uh, teaching six or seven dance classes a week. And sometimes I would starve myself for periods at a time. Didn't matter. I was still a fat storing machine and even a lot of slim mm-hmm. people who work out and and they're they're you know a lot of women are nibblers and they probably don't have a lot of good thyroid function which is also transformed with leptin and uh mm-hmm. and but no one knows and I sat down for seven years to write the truth about beauty and during that time continued to shrink and I never went back with my uh, dopamine pathways were healed. So no addiction anymore. Never binged again. Waking up like it was Christmas every day because I was free. And this was all hormonal. Just a oh, mind-blowing. So interesting, right? So interesting. Yeah. So those people who are busy counting calories, what are they actually accomplishing? I mean, if you Nothing. think about it just on the surface, you know, you consume a certain number of calories and then you burn a certain higher number of calories, that should have you have a net gain toward dropping, you know, fat. Yeah. But that's not really dot, what dot, it does. Dot. That's not really what it does. Exercise does affect leptin sensitivity and insulin sensitivity, um, but yes. it's not going to overall uh, get you ahead. And in fact, if you're calorie conscious, you're going to actually lose muscle as you're losing weight. And with leptin sensitivity, you gain so much muscle independent of exercise because of the freeing up of testosterone that always happens with leptin, which is why the underweight will just build muscle and bone and uh, and gain healthy weight. Uh, that it is it is truly incredible. So people that do go to the gym and do uh, and when they when they have this flip. They can't believe it. And one a fitness model, for example, in Canada had to fire his trainer who thought he was on steroids and wouldn't believe that he wasn't on steroids, much like this season three trainer, the big loser that worked with me. They gain uh, an amount of muscle in a short period of time that's not known to be possible in the entire exercise physiology arena. That's so interesting. But let's just circle back for a moment before diving into the leptin because I'm bringing up the calorie question again because that has been a predominant and prevailing perspective for so long in our dietary slash nutritional food consuming world and continues to be often even prescribed by doctors. So there are For people studies. to really understand studies. this yeah. is very important, yeah. I think. There are studies so, with adolescents yes. and also with, with menopausal women who have literally, you know, eaten low glycemic 
uh, food in the amount of calories up to twice as much as the group that wound up not losing the weight. So yes, seriously, even the calories, you can have twice as many calories and weigh less and lose more weight than the group having twice as many, uh, than, than, the, than the group having half the number of calories. This is for real. And, uh, and, and it, that's and people because say, of being know, a fat burner instead of a sugar right. burner? Okay. The, the, the hormonal okay. response that your food sets off, if you raise your blood sugar in what you ate, if you had pure fat, for example, in one meal and the other person ate pure sugar and spiked their insulin, they've turned their body into a fat storing machine. So interesting. People really need to hear this because this is where, well, what in a sense what I hear you saying underneath this, and now we're going to get into the leptin story, which is so, no pun intended, delicious, uh, is yeah. it's sort of like there's a, a reharmonizing of hormones, and it's almost a restructuring yeah. of the it release is. of different hormones throughout the body yep. at different times of the day. Yep by uh, in inhibiting the amount of sugar and slash carbs in the diet, which allows the leptin to have its effect. If, and not only it's not a, yes, and it also has a body-wide drop in inflammation effect, and a lot of the weight that we carry well, yeah. is, is, is inflammation. inflammation. And so you lose that fluid all throughout the body in your face and You've seen it at my retreats where where people's faces yes. look different and their bellies right while they're there. And so, you know, that's incredible. But you're also changing your relationship with food, changing the microbiome, removing addictive biochemistry, healing the reward system, stopping yes. anxiety. And sleep itself is going to raise uh, DHEA and lower cortisol. You're lowering your cortisol. All of these things affect weight as well. Waves. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. And, but leptin so is, is the, the master hormone. So it's the orchestrator. Master. It's the orchestrator. Right. So like you said, it affects all other hormones and will affect the thyroid quickly. So honestly, I could outline probably two dozen ways that this affects weight. So I want to hear those, uh, at least one dozen. Uh, but yeah. so yeah. is the body holding on to water to counteract the inflammation in the body, largely that occurs from our eating and actually exercise habits. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even is that how it works? Practice pro-inflammatory, but all inflammation is going to come with that activity uh, that the body brings to those inflamed areas. And if it's elevated cortisol, which so many people have, it's body-wide sure. and it's bringing fluid body-wide. But everybody knows about and, and people who snore, men who snore, uh, and women. Uh, or, or people just who get up and think they have to just use the bathroom because they have to use the bathroom. And there's an adrenal aspect to it that is turned around with leptin sensitivity as well. And uh, leptin, they thought, was made by the white fat cells. Now they know it's also made, uh, in, it's in the placenta and salivary glands and in other places. And they thought the receptors for leptin was in the hypothalamus. Now we know it's also in the hippocampus and maybe some in the gut. And so what you're just needing to do is turn on the receptors, just like we turn back, uh, turn on insulin reception, and then we're no longer diabetic. 
but we lose sensitivity. This is real interesting to leptin before we lose sensitivity to insulin. So most people, even if they're not pre, even pre-diabetic, have already long lost their leptin sensitivity. And frankly, it's even more consequential. So interesting. Let's let everybody know that you are listening to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin. We are on every week with our podcast. We're also on television every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can watch in Manhattan on one of the choice public access stations, or you can just simply watch through our website, abetterworld.tv. In the upper right-hand corner, it says click to watch very complicated, and then click through, get there a couple minutes before 7, so you'll catch the whole show. Sometimes it takes a little bit to connect, uh, but love to have you. And we also have a free newsletter, a Better World newsletter, that comes out to announce our shows and a bunch of other things, events and the like that are happening in the general New York area. So uh, please become part of a Better World community and family. Today, we have invited back Kat James, just one of my favorite people who brings so much interest, intelligence, observation, and experience to the table, quite literally the table, the dining room table, and Mm -hmm. she helps to elucidate what the relationship is between food and hormones, and when we get that, and uh, everything changes, and her Years of experience of working with people one-on-one and in in her retreats uh, is testament to that. And I've seen it firsthand, which is another reason I wanted to have Kat back on today to share with you the breakthroughs and understanding of these relationships, hormonal relationships to food, to our minds, to our emotions, etc. It goes on and on and reaches down deep into some of the most degenerative illnesses that people can have that honestly have completely foiled modern medicine. But through paying close attention to diet and health and the role specifically of leptin, uh, she's been able to bring people around with her guidance to really healthy living. Uh, And, by the way, great weight and beautiful skin, like you have, Kat. (laughs) Thank you, Mitchell. It's a pleasure to have you You know, the willpower thing. Absolutely. The willpower, yeah, yeah, my my pleasure. But I just want to mention the the only reason that I quit two really amazing careers to do this is because this is the only thing, and, and everyone who does this says, it's the only thing that takes my craving away completely. And uh, this gets into, you know, new information about the endocannabinoid system. Everyone's talking about oh, the CBD and yes, all that. We have our endogenous and our exogenous, you know, phytocannabinoids. Uh, but even my understanding and the science on the leptin connection to this incredible system, which uh, mm-hmm. not only it does affect appetite, but pain and sleep and seizures and all of that because of this really – Never been anyone who still had headaches. Again, everybody, I, I can't make any claims, so pure coincidence. But never been anyone who had headaches or seizures, and I mean serious seizure cases of someone having them since seven years old, you know, three to 22 a night, having them stop cold. And, uh, and even uh, my niece had her seizures stop cold. And, uh, but migraines are very connected to that. So incredible 
effects that happen so quickly. But uh, again, yeah. um, the endocannabinoid system, if you look up leptin, and there are like about 9,000 studies at this point, you can look up leptin and telomeres, leptin and cancer, leptin and the endocannabinoid system. And the word you keep seeing is modulator, modulator, modulator. It modulates the autoimmune system, and that is why there are no food allergies and why people with serious autoimmune lupus uh, and MS uh, and deadly vasculitis and, and every itis you can think of, uh, they see incredible mm-hmm. transformation. I'll use that word. Um, and uh, it's just uh, miraculous on all of these fronts. And there's not anything. You can look up the microbiome and it'll say leptin modulates and completely turns over the composition of the microbiome. So it is the great modulator, homeostatic. So when we look at uh diabetes and insulin release, let's say. Uh, We're looking at somebody who has uh, not able to manage uh, sugar in the blood. There's not enough insulin to match it. And then Mm -hmm. all the symptomology, you know, arises. So what then, how would you describe leptin in that same context? What does one need to do, Kat, uh, and get guidance in how to in your retreats um, that will then have us re-establish leptin sensitivity so leptin then can modulate all of the systems that you're referring to, reduce the inflammation, reduce the pain, reduce the migraines, reduce the presence of the autoimmune issues, etc. They need to understand their own thresholds. And my, my suggestion, and the only thing that ever worked for me, Um, was gaining leptin sensitivity, but I did it, of course, accidentally with no guidance. And what took me all those years, I'm I'm helping people to do in really world record time. Even science says it takes five days. I've seen it happen in in three to four days. Uh, My retreats used to be longer, so it doesn't take long, but it's not intuitive. In fact, it's quite counterintuitive, and it has to be, in my view, by symptom again and not by number. And everybody, mm-hmm. again, has these different thresholds. So if your parents died obese and diabetic, you've got a lower threshold at which any food will, A, spike your blood sugar, B, spike your insulin, and spike your leptin. Thus, you cannot have diabetes anymore once you're leptin sensitive, at least type 2. And however, in type 1, there's an autoimmune component. As long as the islet cells are still working, very many people have had a reversal of type 1. And I can, you know, I share also stories with the clinical stories uh, that Rosedale had when he was still practicing. Uh, And I actually asked him, I said, what's taking you so long to reverse type 2? And he said, well, you have them in captivity. Um, And, uh, of course, they don't feel like, again, they're in captivity. but (laughs) Captivity. You know, because people go home and they do the wrong thing. And boy, have I learned really an interesting psychology, uh, you know, uh, of people. Um, And that's why some people do better, you know, being in my presence during this time. And others can do the online or webcast if they're just simply self-starters. And but the great thing is, is after you make it through that fourth or fifth day, there's no more willpower. And you cannot believe. Even those of you out there who, you know, you can feel the sense of panic when the bread basket comes 
uh, and or the you know the Pepperidge Farm cookies are sitting next to you, uh, the person who's on the airplane with you, and they're not eating them, um, and and you just don't yeah. have any thoughts of that anymore. It's just yeah. gone. It's amazing. You smell things differently. You taste things differently, uh, and that really is the the greatest uh, thing here in my view. So interesting. So. At the what we're really talking about, and please correct me if it's a misunderstanding, uh, when one becomes leptin sensitive, then that allows the hormone not to be inhibited the way it is typically in most people most of the time, but to become activated in the body. And once activated, it's able to do these kind of hormonal slash systemic healings of all of these degenerative inflammatory conditions? Yeah, and it's fast. And what it is is you're keeping leptin low. And if you search it online, you're seeing the wrong guidelines. You're seeing even books about it where the science is terrific, but the dietary application is an unknown uh, a frontier. Even, you know, Jason Fung told me that we're not making what happens, what you're making happen in people outside of a lab. They're not able to make it happen because it will never be under a microscope what makes this happen long term and what people's thresholds mm-hmm. are because there's too many numbers in science. It's got to be symptoms, especially when you're talking hormones. Um, and uh, sorry, yeah. I, I yeah. lost a little bit of track of the of the question if you want to get me back on track. Yeah, um, okay. But- I just want to – so. You you say keep leptin low. So in other words, in yeah, the yeah, presence yeah. of carbs, sugar, and all of its sources, leptin in the body actually goes high. And so when That's those right. things are kept low, then leptin is also low, which is its optimal level well, for the healing. Then, right. Well, because then is that what you're uh, saying? I just want to make sure. I am. I've got the right. But the hypothalamus, it allows keeping it low is the only thing that allows the hypothalamus to turn on again. Okay? So, in other words, the hypothalamus is where the, and and any other place where those receptors are that they're still discovering. um, Because it's relatively new, you know, since 1994. And so those things don't turn on and receive leptin until a number of days where there hasn't been a spike in it. And that's very similar to how uh, insulin receptivity works insulin as well. Insulin works, right. So it's only when it's low, because before that, those receptor sites have been sort of overwhelmed by leptin um, as yes. the blood would be yes. with sugar because of, you know, not yeah. enough insulin. It's that, you know, excess. And so when it's yep. brought down, then both insulin can work better and the leptin yep. works. It's a, that's an optimum that's right. condition. Okay. That's no, right. I, that's the kind of the underlying concept of how this whole system, you, you could say the basis of your dietary approach works. It works because uh, leptin is kept low and interestingly, simultaneously, of course, so is insulin. They do work quite interestingly in harmony together. Talk about mm-hmm, harmony. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. what you Yeah, and, and again, you know, by the time you get leptin sensitivity, you're not going to be you're not going to be insulin uh, insensitive anymore, uh, and no one ever has. Yeah. And I have worked with countless. I would say half of the people I worked with started out diabetic or pre-diabetic, and uh, immediately are not. And um, yeah, it's incredible. 
So interesting. So now if we could, let's just take a turn specifically to some of the uh, – recommendations, the referrals you're getting from neurologists. I mean, that's quite a feather in your cap, my dear. So what, what's going on? What are the neurologists seeing in your therapeutic approach, nutritional approach with things such as Parkinson's, which, you know, modern medicine sure. really doesn't have a stick to shake at them. <laughs> Funny mm-hmm. phrase mm-hmm. to use for that, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, well, what, what's going on? I, for many for many years, I've had referrals, fertility clinics, and they they just make people fertile again by recommending my approach. And and uh, the neurologist uh, and two of them now, and a stem cell doctor and a functional medicine doctor hosted the program. And these are just continually there are doctors reaching out, an oral facial myologist who did my program. Uh, after seeing the airways uh, open up and a muscle dysfunction I'd never even dealt with, uh, completely spontaneously went away in a woman who could barely swallow. And so and now we have more recently, and again, I got to say this is coincidence, everybody, but a woman was sent to me uh, to take her mother through my program, and her mother had, had Parkinson's to the point where she was sort of not responding to her daughter anymore, walking aimlessly, uh, could not put her shirt on, could not do a button or anything, and um, couldn't sleep past 4 a.m., would start wandering around and was drooling, as her daughter said, like a faucet. And so she started my program, uh, the Summer Fall Series, and uh, within 10 days she got back on uh, to one of our live coaching sessions, and she said, my mom is like her old self. She's not drooling. She's sleeping till 6, and she came out with her shirt on, and, uh, and she's answering me like she used to. She's like her old self. This is after 10 days, and at the, in the same session, a guy with neuropathy, and first you get the pain and, and numbness, and sometimes they give you the sway test, and then, it's, then you know it's serious when you start to not be able to feel your foot. And this is when you're looking in the distance, if you're not careful, at a potential amputation. And this fellow who came onto my radio uh, show, Michael Smith, Beaumont, Texas, and uh, shared his story. He he even said, I didn't believe anything you said, but he was diabetic, had high blood pressure, uh, and had, uh, I think, around 30 pounds come off really fast. But within 10 days, he didn't have the sensation of numbness in his leg. And and Dr. Uman uh, from Texas, came on and to the uh, online class and said, what you just did for him should have taken a minimum of 300 days. Oh, and uh, if he was doing the right thing. Mm. But as far as Parkinson's, you know, they're giving them yes. levodopa, and people need to look into levodopa. It depletes a certain vitamin that actually makes your amino acid conversion, a vitamin that people with depression and amino acid conversion and thyroid problems are all deficient in. We're all deficient in B6. And by taking that drug, you're going to become almost locked into this deficiency. And you can extrapolate from there uh, how this brings down the hope of healing. Mm, Awesome. Awesome. Let's, uh, so you have had specific uh, instances of people who have come to you with Parkinson's with that kind of turnaround. You just gave the example of that woman, and but there have been I others. I have one as well. other, one other who started to go upstairs really quickly, and it was a private program that I gave in Aspen, and it was a couple that were were the primary party givers, like the king and queen of that. They actually had a basement that was a wax museum. 
And um, major drinking, major drinking couple. And by the way, those of you who feel like, yeah, maybe I drink a little more than I should, uh, that dopamine pathway healing is pretty miraculous. As one woman who mm-hmm. came to my Chattanooga program said, she had no more craving. And for the last 20 years, every night, this is the first thing she, this is not the first story of that. Well, this couple had that kind of uh, habit. And the wife yes. had an incredible health, immediate health turnaround. And, the, and, the, and their highly paid assistant said, you know, he knows this is the answer because he was starting to go up the stairs. He's like, this is crazy. And this is like in a couple of days. Uh, but she made the decision that they weren't going to go any further because she was freaked out at the no alcohol lifestyle. And that assistant mm. said, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. Um, she doesn't want them to no longer be, you know, have the reputation with, with basically their entire social circle. And I've had the same thing uh, come up with uh, a family in Minnesota who hosted my program and her autoimmune things and her child's ADHD. And I mean, just incredible turnarounds in the whole family. And they decided to just defy and, and get a new circle of friends because they had the soccer, soccer parents had their own alcohol parties. <laughs> and when they wow, said, we. Um, well, you can, you can, you can bring your alcohol. They really got this incredible kind of, standoffishness so there's a real dedication um not just the eating disorder i had i had my food friends but people have their smoking friends and they have the, and it's not yeah, that you're gonna have sure. the craving anymore but you these may lose the, some uh, people psychosocial who, no. aspects of yep. these are the social sure. uh, psychosocial aspects of healing and who you know all of the various factors that contribute to our current states and what we sometimes the measures we have to take in order to get liberated and healthy, and yeah. uh, sometimes it requires a change yeah. of friends and maybe even family yeah. if you but do usually, that too. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, usually though there is an incredible complex. amount of self, uh, you know, self control that you have to use though, and that aspect isn't there. So the teenager, one of them comes to mind. Her friends waving the French fries in her face, saying, "We know you want this." She didn't even know how to tell them that oh, no, it's not even right. appealing to me. So that's yeah, the right, other thing. Right, that's, right. That's, that's the other change. That leads into uh, one of the other areas. I mean, we have a few more that I'd love to for you to address, if you would. And you've already sure. begun with the alcohol, which is the whole domain of isms, of of, of addictions. I mean, yeah. um, for instance, yep. you mentioned even agoraphobia, and you yep. mentioned, yep. you know, any number of obviously we're talking about sugar addictions at base in many respects. And it, Alcoholism yeah. is a sugar you know addiction. Amazing? Exactly. But talk I mean, how how does the leptin sensitivity yeah. then yeah. heal those? So we're really talking about ultimately dopamine yeah. pathways getting healed. Yes. Yeah, and you even you know, hear like about um, dopamine out. spike yeah. from social social media. There's nothing that heals dopamine pathways faster than regaining leptin sensitivity. It's the bar none neuroprotectant. You can look That's up a do- you know leptin and ALS. Mm-hmm. Leptin and ALS, leptin uh, and ADHD, leptin and glioblastoma. You can look these things up. And, but the thing is, is that addiction versus motivation is actually the counterpoint of your dopamine pathway. So when they get healed, literally, it changes addiction into motivation. Uh, just yes. like when your autonomic nervous system heals, it changes anxiety uh, into uh, really good decision-making and calmness. And uh, sure. this is all in the science, and, uh, and Rosedale has, has uh, backed me up on a lot of these observations. So, so it is yeah. a problem, but, but I think you were referring. I had a woman who had all the isms, 
and she's already shared her story, uh, and her name is Amanda, and she said, I wouldn't leave the house. I would watch my husband garden from the kitchen window knowing he needed help. And uh, and she also couldn't work. She couldn't be in the workplace. She was a sugarholic. She was an alcoholic. And she was a, a, a compulsive shopaholic. All of it stopped at the same time. All of it stopped at the same time. She's now working. She's now out there with her husband. She's not addicted to sugar. She's not using alcohol. And this is not willpower. And she's and not that's shopping. That's what people expect. <laughs> no, she's not doing that either. She's, you know, she's shopping. But she's not got this compulsive constant searching what should i buy what should i buy and uh and that's all that dopamine pathway healing it's all part and parcel of a certain kind of uh you know both psyche and uh hormonal um arrangement actually asymmetry uh disharmony you know they say that the word hormone and harmony is actually the same etymological root from greek so it's probably no mistake. Interesting. Harmane and hormone. Yeah. Right, exactly, and yeah. hormone. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to so disparage. Uh, I don't want to disparage all the psychological work that people do. I did that. I read, no, you know, John don't. Bradshaw <laughs> and I and and well, I mean, the thing I work is, with is John but you have to look at Cole amazing you know the inner child thing boy that was a wonderful wonderful thing for me and um but the thing is is that i uh wouldn't be free if i hadn't stumbled on this hormonal thing and if you look at 12-step programs two to five percent in the long term now that doesn't mean it doesn't give incredibly more uh quality of life and spiritual growth and beautiful relationships with people but the physical um, dre- addiction and pull and sense of anxiety and feeling it's unwell, uh, yeah. even as the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous discovered that the biochemical thing is so powerful and yes. we deserve to have that. That's been suppressed even in 12-step programs, as even the co-founder found out when he tried to introduce what he knew uh, worked and was denied by the medical board. You have to look at psyche and soma. They are designed to work together, and not one mm-hmm. instead of the other, but both yeah. and is the way to yeah. go. I've been doing mind-body work. And Bruce for, Lipton, uh, I can comment on, on you know the yeah. the Bruce Lipton thing. He talks about the signals and that, that interfere with this you know protein expression uh, that frequencies mm-hmm. uh, can result in, and but they're very real signals. Um, toxins. Yes, he does mention hormones. So. He does mention hormones, and, so. and uh, oh, the, uh, no. this is so powerful, though, that many people that didn't believe, like Michael Smith that I referred to, that didn't have a belief system, were healed even though they didn't believe. So that's pretty powerful. Right. It doesn't require belief, but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> and You've got to have enough belief uh, you know, to go belief the, is, first sex, you know, the first stage. It's, yeah, just, just a suspension of ordinary thinking yep. and Listen to cat. Just listen to cat. <laughs> I know because it is counterintuitive. I mean, one yep. of the things that I've dealt with, cat, you know, just plain out is that, like, why did beautiful Mother Nature provide these incredible things on the earth if they are not to be enjoyed by us? You know, tomatoes. I have a great. I have a great Italian cooking. You know. Yes. What? Here we go. Here's my answer. Here's my answer. My answer is that nature put those things there and nature set us into the environment able to deal with them. But nature has nothing to do 
with our metabolisms right now. In fact, it's been uh, countering mm, an interference, an epigenetic, epigenetic interference, high fructose yeah. corn syrup, uh, the fat-free era, which is the farthest thing from nature you can even imagine. Yes. No, we did, we did oh. not evolve. Paleolithic man didn't have the superfoods required to survive veganism, okay? So we didn't have a B vitamin superfoods and uh, algal DHA, and, and we didn't have um, zinc supplements and uh, D3 in a supplement and K2 in a supplement because you can't get well, enough from greens. And, and, we, and, well, we, we, we were Originally. unless you lived in certain, in certain areas. If you lived in certain areas, maybe you didn't have any plant foods like the Eskimos who had the lowest heart sure. disease ever. And, uh, or, right. or, you know, but the thing is, is we were omnivores because we had to have what was around but the brain evolved and grew very quickly, and it is fat, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, we needed nutrient density. Otherwise, we would have been gra- grazing all all day. Yes, right, right, right. Like so many of our other uh, brothers and sisters in the uh, Neanderthal. I mean, the primate world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, no, it's primates, a good answer. Even, even apes are eating uh, yeah. animals as well sometimes. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Interesting. So let's look at Alzheimer's also. Sure. Yeah, so you can look up Alzheimer's and leptin. And uh, the thing is, is you you even have to be careful when you look at the research uh, that you will see some of the conclusions. And I've I've contacted Rosedale and said, look at the conclusions of this study. They don't seem to understand or make the verbal distinction that it's not leptin that did such and such, but sensitivity to leptin that did it as you as you um, pointed out earlier Um, and and so it's so important that you know there are leptin supplements that people say oh let none of them have leptin in it okay and then well okay there's a leptin drug well that's given to maybe five percent who are born with no leptin or little leptin Hmm. Uh, but again why didn't they make a blockbuster drug out of leptin well because you become insensitive to a hormone if you take it which is why yes. insulin injections are going to lead to what? More insensitivity and a, a need for higher amounts. And uh, so they just haven't been able to, and that's why really you're not hearing about it because the only end result, the more you know about leptin is dietary manipulation. And the more you learn, and boy, I made so many mistakes early on letting people just do all the things. And I was probably the first to talk about coconut flour besides Bruce Fife himself, the inventor. And yet I realized after about a year, Everyone was exploiting that loophole and falling out of leptin sensitivity. And same thing, almond flour, which is why I had to develop something, as you know, after about 10 years that only the people mm-hmm. who do this program can really make use of, and they're the only ones who get to know what it is. But you don't yes. have to do without amazing food, and there's not a life without, you know, without fluffy Belgian waffles and pizza and uh, <laughs> spice cake and all sorts of things. So there's actually more variety than people are getting, you know, when they're doing than when they're doing keto and and those things that would leave me with my eating disorder and leave me just not this person that I've been able to be for 30 years. Mhm. So keto really doesn't address the question of leptin or does it? No, it doesn't because it takes more uh more to do with your levels. And biochemically, you're going to be going stricter. 
uh, to achieve leptin sensitivity. So this, all of these things I'm talking about, the balancing of all of these different systems is not available to you in a ketogenic diet. You may occasionally just accidentally slip, just experience a day here, a day there, uh, but like this fellow James who started this in, in, yeah, of left, uh, yes, uh, like this fellow James from Hawaii who did my Germany program recently, he has lost, he, he was in, uh, he did keto for six years and he still had hit a wall. He was still on six drugs because you always wind up uh, exploiting a loophole. The guidelines are very inconsistent and you're not basing it on a set of symptoms so that you always know you're in what I call the freedom zone or the leptin zone, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. it's unmistakable, and that's why I very strictly get people there right in the beginning so they know what it feels like, and then we can start to calibrate yes. for the individual. Memorize the zone. But have you had your own experience with, uh, with clients who had a diagnosis of Alzheimer's? And have you seen changes, or do you know it mainly from the All research? I've ever – yeah, I'm starting to have – well, certainly Dr. Uman – has seen major changes in people who sort of, you know, take some steps. But I haven't Mm -hmm. had someone um, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I've had people who say memory loss, dementia. They haven't used that word. And I actually think think a lot of people don't use that word um, when they have initial dementia or or, or memory loss. I have lots of people, including a man I call Wild Wild Bill, who had that incredible cancer story and reflux and you know just everything head yeah. to toe his memory his memory is back uh his hearing because of his cleared up eustachian tubes his vision back oh, to yeah. 2020 his ability to oh, grip uh and and also the tumor shrinking and this has happened three times in the last two years with men you see a very quick change in urination uh and, and psa numbers i mean that his doctors had never seen mm-hmm. a 39 jump down to a 19 and less than two months, and then you saw this tumor uh, go from, uh, from you know, a regular tumor to 40% less and then 90 and now just scar tissue, and he's just passed something fleshy and disgusting in the last week, by the way, the second time, and, and his mm-hmm. urination improved even more after that. Now, everybody, that's just pure coincidence. I'm not saying that that has anything to do with my program, uh, and yeah. uh, but everything else has happened to him. You know, no pain, ability to sleep has returned, and everyone who thinks they're going to be the exception to that return of sleep uh, rule, they've got a big surprise if they if they do this. Yep. Interesting. So, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, shows up here in these kinds of conversations is uh, the question of gut health. Well, I know you've talked about the microbiome a few times, which is sort of one of my favorite organs um, areas. Uh, But also, uh, the question of colon health is really where I was going with this, Kat. Um, And and elimination, because where's the fiber? So that question arises as well. Surely people are eating vegetables on your program, but it's relatively low because carbs are in our vegetables and carbs have to be kept low to remain to sustain leptin sensitivity so where in the dietary portfolio profile do you have fiber or any other things that contribute to elimination health sure Sure. Well, there's tons of fiber in my program, and most people eat more vegetables, wind up eating more vegetables than they used to eat before they did my program. 
uh, and oh, there are certain fiber carbs. There are fiber carbs, but also it's more than a fiber sure. issue. Uh, the, the motility issue is a nerve issue. Okay, so some people have tired oh, out yes. their colon, tired out their colon with central nervous system stimulants. Particularly In other words, peristalsis is a function of the nervous system. Yeah, the, the very, very saying? largely. And yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, for example, with, with chronic diarrhea, they have B1 problems, um, but B vitamins tend to, to fix a lot of these things. But uh, frankly, there's a tissue-wide um, repair that's so fast, uh, people who work out notice it because their recovery time is unbelievable. They can you know, work the same muscle group two days in a row. Um, but you have this whole thing along your entire digestive tract that heals. And so uh, one fitness model had diverticulitis that was immediately, immediately gone. IBS is immediately, uh, I've never seen it anything other than gone immediately. Mm. Uh, And so there's so much different colon distress. And frankly, most people just go better. There can be a, a interruption, especially if they're traveling uh, to or uh, you know a disruption in your lifestyle, but travel is the most unbelievable air travel, for example, drying out the colon. Yeah, sure. But but the yeah. fat actually helps you helps you go, and yeah, uh, it's sure. very rare if someone has uh, has uh, it's just it's way out of the norm. And uh, because and so meat is said to be binding, and if you not, look at kind not. of standard. Uh, interpretations, especially by vegan uh, sources, that Mm, it takes, mm. you know, the transit time is way, way long for meat digestion. Not really. And you're saying Yeah, and the digestibility of if the meat is not overcooked, it's it's overcooked meat. The rarer it is, the better. Yep, and it's beautifully and almost nearly completely digested. And then the um, as far and there's not much you know residue, so volume can be less. Um, your volume that you excrete can be less, uh, but um, it's it's incredibly well digested. And you will note from from vegetable foods, there's you're much more likely to have in, incomplete digestion uh, with that. But as far as nutrient density, mm-hmm. let's say someone has a colon issue uh, or has a, a gastroparesis or they had gastric band surgery and they're just not a good digester or they've been abusing acid blockers, et cetera, those people, if they don't have that nutrient density from meat, some of those people, they face, they face um, real uh, near-death situations. And I've worked with people who were also uh, in Mayo Clinic and under their care who've looked at their situation, they said, whatever you're doing, again and again, specialists have said, whatever you're doing, wow, it's healing finally. So we need nutrient density to heal, and, so uh, and we need that healing in, in the colon as well. Now, is that uh, one of the contributions that dairy, because I know that animal protein, vegetables, and dairy are a big part of your approach. So what is the role of dairy, and why do you feel it's required? Well, I don't think it's required. I, I just think animal fat is required. So, so for example, I, and I will say anyone who's sensitive to dairy, they never have been after they're leptin sensitive, and that sounds crazy. It's just true, and we don't have time for me to be modest about that. And so um, it's astounding, and they don't, don't have reactions to it. They, there's uh-huh. no reaction all of the sudden. What's the value? What's the nutritional value from your point of view? Well, what, what is the nutritional value of dairy? 
it's just the saturated animal fat component. It's not necessarily okay. dairy, although there are sulfur compounds, and, and with uh, the right kind of dairy, you're getting a form of K2, uh, fermented dairy, for example. However, like so much fermented dairy, mm-hmm. so, yeah, but so much fermented dairy is going to cause yogurt. a rise in blood sugar in, in metabolically challenged people. Yogurt and kefir are going to spike their blood sugar and spike their leptin and keep them out of leptin sensitivity, and it took me uh. years years to figure this out and that it was being a deal breaker for so many people butter nobody reacts to butter once they're leptin sensitive you may and there's barely any protein there's no lactose uh in butter ghee certainly there's no lactose so there's nothing to react to and uh but it's that saturated fat you need a variety of fats there's not even any similarity between olive oil and ghee in terms of their actions in the body and in the brain and hormonal response and uh, the testosterone and the, for the fat-soluble nutrients and the K2, uh, this, these are just different foods. And uh, you look at Weston Price's work, of course, you know, you've got in the 1920s, the dentist that went around the world and looked at all the uh-huh. healthiest, longest-lived tribes, and you are always going to see that fermented dairy. The only reason I don't recommend it more in cream, for example, which is probably going to keep you, it's what I call borderline. So certain people that I coach, we work with how they're going to work with cream, but, you know, it's not necessarily from an A2 cow, and it's not necessarily non-pasteurized, non-homogenized. Homogenization can set off an autoimmune reaction. So it's the, the style of dairy that gave it a bad name and not dairy itself. So, okay, that's, that's useful. So it, it is, as an animal protein, it's having, um, let's just say, a parallel effect in the body as uh, the the meat itself, or the yeah, and lard. Itself, you know, whatever the, the rodent be. study. Mm-hmm. There was a rodent study, Mitchell, um, where they had calorie restricted rodents and gave them three types of fat: olive oil, and I think it the other one was coconut oil, the other vegetable one, and then they gave them lard, and the lard group lived way longer. It's really something to think about. Wow, interesting, interesting. Now, what about what do you? Cat. I know we've run over longer than I thought, but it's just so interesting, and I want to hear such a, sure. a fount of experience and information. Uh, needless to say, there is a lot, besides the Framingham study, there is a lot of um, thousands of research studies on the value of a plant-based diet, of even veganism. And, uh, you know, we know many people who tout these uh, as both incredibly healthy for human beings and there have been remarkable breakthroughs in people's conditions from a plant-based diet. Uh, How do you square that with what you have found with on the other side of the spectrum with animal-based product, also, of course, with plant-based as well? Yeah. Well, the largest studies in history um, and the A to Z study, but there was a Swedish uh, review study that was 16,000 studies and the meta analyses that are happening, which are uh, they're first of all, combing through and looking at the ones that have the the best study design. And if you look at the most quoted studies, uh, Ansel Keys, Colin Campbell's studies, you look at cherry picking. So the seven country study is cherry picked Mm -hmm. and the countries that didn't fit the outcome that was desired were removed from the study. And the protein study was later redone with monkeys 
and found to be the opposite in the outcome. You have to look at whether they're population studies or whether they're self-reporting studies. And even some shock studies on eggs recently or that high-fat diets could, de would, could uh, you know, be deadly, again, they were shot down in terms of their study design and uh, found to ignore certain studies that, that were conflicting. And, um, and so you really have to look at the quality of the studies. Now, uh, can I, and I, when I do these panels uh, where you are moderating, and there are yeah. people from well-known institutions, um, I always acknowledge that, yes, they're saving lives. You know, if you take someone off the standard American diet or processed food, you're going to save yeah. lives, and you reduce their sugar relatively you're going to have great, great improvement. Uh, some right. people um, can are cut out. I call them Tarzan types, or you know, close relatives of Adam and Eve. Uh, you, mm -hmm. They do, they do fast. They just like they do fasting better than a metabolically challenged person for whom that can start an eating disorder and turn the next meal into more of a drug-like experience. Um, mm -hmm. So fasting gets certain people into danger. Coffee gets certain people into more danger than others metabolically. It has to do with someone being metabolically challenged. So go ahead and do your vegan thing. If you don't feel, if you start feeling more anxious by the month or by the year, or you start getting shorter, or you are of uh, reproductive age, and uh, there are a number of things that happen, and or your homocysteine levels start to be elevated, uh, your sleep starts to be disturbed, uh, you start to be more of an agitated person, uh, then you might consider the other. Auto, autoimmune issues. Uh, my gosh, I mean, I'm not advocating carnivory for the excess protein risk of it, but people just stop their immune, their, like deadly autoimmune things are being stopped in their tracks. And um, people can do my approach in, uh, in a way that is more uh, carnivory because some people, frankly, cannot handle the lectins or the oxalates. If you've got a buildup of oxalates and you've been doing sorrel soup and, and spinach smoothies since you were seven, uh, mm -hmm. then, then you may have an oxalate buildup. And the lectins, we've heard Gundry talk about those, not to be confused with leptin, those plant toxins, sure. and, uh, and that can cause gut problems. So it's no wonder that when people stop some that the plant foods, many of them no longer have their autoimmune issues. So, yes, there are individual uh, things, and, and do I acknowledge that some people can do vegan? Yes, I do. Do I actually think those people are at their optimal health? I don't. Uh, but mm -hmm. I believe that, mm -hmm. that many people can thrive doing that, but they should never conjecture that uh, a fellow omnivore should not eat meat when that person has, like I did, uh, did the advanced health food vegetarian diet. And certainly maybe they should familiar, familiarize themselves with a scholarly uh, look at Lear Keith's work, for example. She wrote The Vegetarian Myth, 18-Year Vegan, and she believes she may never recover uh, from the, the hazards to her health. And I also interviewed a Miss uh, Vegan California who, who luckily her life was saved, but she has injury as well. And uh, I believe it can be turned around with, with uh, leptin sensitivity, but hopefully they'll find their way to me. Uh, but, you know, there are some pretty bad stories that happen. Yes, so interesting. You know, I, I think it's 
worthwhile to really recognize this phenomenon that we all know is completely true of bioindividuality. And because of my work in uh, psychology, I like to say psychobioindividuality. And these are mm-hmm. true. And at the same time, there is a biological substrate, if you will, of the nutrition that we all do need. Like you said, that there is a uh, kind of a systemic uh, deficiency of B6. And, you know, that's just something that needs to be and addressed. Like and like conversion of I mean, omega-3s, too, can have to do with your ancestry. You know, if you are yes. from certain areas, you just cannot convert the ALA into EPA and DHA, and you need those desperately, or you'll have behavioral and postpartum depression and all sorts of problems. All sorts of things. And the USDA declared our our soil demineralized, de, de, yep. mineral deficient, back in 1933. So, yeah. let's see. 2019 subtract you know and you see what a mess we have of ordinary as you were saying before you know standard american diet sad extremely sad so anyone who moves off of that is already going to be doing a good thing Uh, um then when they go further down the path you know they can come to this i guess i would call it a more integrated holistic approach actually to have a measure of animal protein from several different sources and vegetable protein and vegetables altogether for the fibers you were speaking of and et cetera, et cetera. So that's what they see in your approach, which I have a particular appreciation for. Yeah, please. Can I add a little, another thing um, regarding the environment? Because people are thinking, oh, but it's Uh, it's really not. You took the words out of my mouth. That was our our closing piece to the soul. Yeah, go ahead. So once once again, I mean, people say, oh, but it's animal fat. And and they're saying it's it's not bad for the environment. And we actually need pooping and, yes, gas-passing cows. Uh, more of them, millions of them we need to bring back the soil. And they have their little methanotrophs, which are in the dung, which industrialized uh, Could you exp- uh, define? Yeah, yeah, and they eat methane, and they're in the dung. We don't hear about that. We hear also exaggerations and even fabrications of greenhouse gas contribution of the meat industry that includes the logging industry and there should be no permitting of industrialized cow uh, raising there shouldn't be any more permitting people need to point the finger not at meat eaters and but only at the industrialized uh, raisers of cattle who yeah put what we're talking about is commer- commercial yeah commercial cattle raising to get really distinct yeah and hog raising for that yep. matter both because they That's put all where... the dung into a lagoon, and we don't have that wonderful grazing and then roaming because they don't want right. anything roaming except to stay in the same place with the animals, and they have to roam because that's how Alan Savory found when he visited Africa, the little patches of grass and the return yes. of land that could be grown upon uh, yes. happened, and that is second only to the ocean as a carbon sink, and one of them, someone at a panel uh, said, oh, that's not realistic. No, it's way more realistic, and practically, it is more feasible even than the point at which we are with solar and wind farming in terms of reducing uh, the, the, and being a carbon sink. I mean, those things are great, but they haven't perfected them. And there's a lot of uh, landfill crisis happening from the solar uh, cells, believe it or not. 
and uh, they're not finding the, the way to do the wind farming in a more practical way. So honestly, one of our things we have to do uh, is just put pressure and no longer allow uh, what you described as the conventional raising of cattle. Right. So I, I found the uh, wind turbine that works without uh, pollution. I'll tell you about that another time. <laughs> but, Good. Uh, but you um, and there are breakthroughs happening in solar, and there are breakthroughs happening yeah. in solar as well, thankfully. But exactly. I, I, your point exactly. is well made. Your point is well made. But I want to bring yeah. up this. If you have done the arithmetic of taking the number of people on the planet, or even a good portion of us, and doing the arithmetic of cows and water consumption, even on the range, grazing, roaming, all of that, and pooping their heads off, so to speak, which I, I wholly um, embrace as a major carbon sink. So I'm all for that and a, a basically a, a use of the methane because it's essentially becoming part of the soil instead of outgassing, so to speak. Um, but when you look at – so in other words, it almost looks like the Carbon number is not of the enemy cows that, it's made that out could – yeah. I'm sorry? Carbon is not I'm even sorry? the enemy it's made out to be. So people need to look oh, at the Oh, I don't carbon. see any of them. None of these are enemies. That's a – completely miscalculation we're dealing we're talking about excess and when the excess gets so out of balance just like we're talking about sort of everything um that's where the greenhouse gas trapping starts to occur but my question is have you ever looked at how many cows can roam, how much land is there available, how much water is there available for how many cows to roam where more people can have a real, honest, healthy, catagenic diet? Have you ever Here's worked those thing. numbers? Because if they're, if, yeah. they're, if they're catagenic or, or leptin sensitive, <laughs> they're eating literally, literally one-third of what they were. And the thing is, is that if you look at 10 times the nutrient density, I wish I could quote you where the study showed what would happen if we removed meat, uh, the crisis, because of the 10 times the nutrient density. And also, as Lierke lays out, she she surely has these statistics in her book, uh, The Vegetarian Myth. But what she lays out is that the vegetables that most vegans eat have such a cost and have such an organism cost as well. And that to grow them, there are certain things that have to be in the soil. And if they aren't naturally in the soil from grazing and and otherwise not even domesticated, just domesticated animals, you go in the national parks, you hardly even see an elk or anything else there. Mm. Um, And but these animals that naturally leave this are the reason why you don't have to buy a bunch of bone meal or something horribly anti-diversifying for the soil in order to be able to grow your vegetables, even organic ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really a, quite a question, and she had tears when she came to the real, to ethical, environmental, and certainly nutritional realizations uh, that she covers in a more scholarly uh, manner than I am. But at leptin sensitivity, in my view, you know, if you're not going to become leptin sensitive, then go ahead and bring your meat consumption down so that it's just a garnish. Um, because if you're not leptin sensitive, you're hurting yourself with, with, with uh, not just with fat. You're, you're kind of hurting yourself all around. Um, but your appetite will be so much smaller and elegant 
that honestly, even the amount of meat that I eat is much less than someone who's not leptin sensitive, uh, the average mm-hmm. person. So it's not like no, I'm a like a big, point. high yeah. high meat diet because it's really not. It's quite elegant, and the way body the body uses such a small amount. And, boy, all of you bodybuilders and, and people who want to gain size and muscle would not believe how little meat and protein, frankly, that you need to be consuming uh, in order to have more muscle than you ever had. So that's a myth. You can't throw protein powders at muscle and throw protein consumption. Yes, it can help you if you're not going to be leptin sensitive. You'll need to have a lot more protein. So this is a way to need less protein. And therefore less consumption, meat consumption as well. No, very elegant points, actually. Very elegant point. Well, Kat, this has been a delight and a pleasure as always. I always so enjoy our rich conversations and dialogues. And uh, Absolutely. Would you um, give information about how if people want to uh, take your teleclasses or even best, really, and I speak from experience, uh, your retreats, and you have two of them coming up right here in beautiful downtown Jersey City uh, just yeah. literally in the next month. Uh, share a little detail sure. with us about how people can get in touch. Sure. The locations I haven't done, as you said, you know, uh, anywhere in the United States except for the Hawaiian one um, for a long time, doing mostly Europe stuff. So this one is right closer to downtown New York City than my Upper West Side office here. And so it's um, right across the Hudson River and with a short walk to this park where you see the most stunning jutting out skyline of Manhattan. And uh, it is right after the Saturday after Thanksgiving, the 5th or sorry, the 30th of November through the 5th of December. And then again, a back to back program starting on the 5th of December through the 10th of December. You're literally flipped into leptin sensitivity during that time and many times before because I start with everyone in advance of it. And if people can't get away or can't afford that, uh, and by the way, if they mention you, Mitchell, uh, that they heard you Mm -hmm. on this show or mention your name, uh, I'll give them 10% off. And, uh, and so the other way that they can do this is through two other formats from home, basic jumpstart or mastery, basic jumpstart. All of these are going to be the 12 hour basic curriculum, whether you come to the retreat or do the two at home, uh, formats, but the basic jumps are self-paced, non-interactive and mastery is interactive. So six one-on-one coachings, those always happen on selected Thursday nights, uh, Eastern 830 Eastern, uh, until the last person has a question. And uh, so that is, those are the options, and uh, they can reach us to find out more at either 877-54-TOTAL or info at informedbeauty.com. Wonderful, wonderful. Just give that last one email again. Sure. Info at informedbeauty.com, and that's the website where you can see more detailed information uh, about the programs. Wonderful. Kat James, you're doing beautiful work. You're helping a lot of people. You are changing minds and bodies, and inside that, hearts. And uh, really appreciate the work you've been doing for a long time. Thank you so much. You too, Mitchell. Thank you for what you do as well. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye now. Cat mm-hmm. James, uh, award-winning author, teacher, and let me tell you, I- I've been 
on these retreats. I've been on a couple of them. Uh, I've done some of my healing work at them as well with some of the people there. I have watched in others and in myself what I would call really significant transformations. It's awesome to behold and to have experienced in my own body. I watched the fat to muscle ratio change before my very eyes. <laughs> what? I'm shrinking. <laughs> it was really true. And um, I really did feel great. And I understand and appreciate a lot of what Kat was sharing with us all here today uh, from the inside. And uh, I will be joining her for at least the first uh, round, the first retreat coming up in Jersey City, um, coming up uh, starting on November 30th. So join us. Come if you'd like. If you're not in the New York area, come to the New York area. Or if you are here already, then uh, give this serious thought. If you either have an issue with weight or some kind of really serious illness, um, this is an awesome thing to do. It could be insomnia. It could be an addiction of some sort, all as Kat was sharing with us all today. Um, it really, it's really true. It's uh I like to say that we're working on, you know, you heard the uh, expression working on all cylinders. Well, firing on all cylinders here, we're firing on all hormones, which they're not all available under all conditions. You have to create the conditions for all the hormones to operate. And what she has discovered, as have many doctors, that leptin is uh, in um, – its proper quantity and ratio to others works when there is an absence of carbs and sugar. And uh, that's the kind of state that CAT helps us to achieve and why she gets such stunning results. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Please visit us at www abetterworld.tv, or if you are interested in my stress management coaching counseling sessions, personal or executive, uh, reach me at 212-420-0800 and visit www.mitchellrabin.com. I'm so glad you joined us today. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. I look forward to seeing you all next week.